Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and each week on this podcast, I share knowledge and tips and strategies to help get you healthy. So this week, we're talking to Sarah Phelps again, and she's on a mission to lose a ton of weight and get on the cover of the half their size edition of People's Magazine and kayak and ride horses and do all sorts of awesome things. And she's going through my online program, How to Lose Weight After 50. And so each week, we're just giving you some behind the scenes looks into what that's like and her journey to losing half of her weight. Um, She has so many great insights to share with you. Specifically today, we talk about how she's done over the last week with her implementation intention of eating a high protein breakfast and tracking her food every day. And then also she does a wonderful job explaining the cycle of shame and the role that shame plays in all of our lives, but specifically in the lives of people who struggle to lose weight. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Miss Sarah. Hey, lady, what's going on? Well, I'm actually on vacation at the lake. You can see the little boat sign behind me. We did a little impromptu trip. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Well, just a few days. We came to visit my grandma, who's awesome. Oh, nice. Super fun. You look very pretty today. Thank you. I splurged on some new makeup for my future job interviews. And I had a friend request that I wear this very yellow shirt because it's her favorite shirt. So shout out to Melody. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we're doing the shout outs, why don't you go ahead and start with a listener shout out and then we'll get into our highs and our, our eye openers for the week. Yeah. Um, so the listener shout out goes to Natasha this week. She's been extremely supportive and really positive. Um, if you guys go out to Dr. Morgan's YouTube channel, you will see that Natasha is always commenting. So That's thank who it you so is. much. Yeah. Yeah. She asked about the, how did I cut pop out thing? Because, mm-hmm. and I get it when you live in the Midwest, every meal has pop involved. Soda, whatever you want to call it. Um, all I can say, Tosh, is make small changes and don't have it at home. Um, the particular thing I did was say I can have soda after I get my entire daily water intake done. And, of course, that would be a night where I don't want to have soda. So I tricked myself, essentially. But it may be worth it to try. I think that's great. Yeah, thanks, Natasha. I love, I love reading those comments. They're super thoughtful. So thank you. Um, and if you haven't commented yet, if you haven't subscribed to this YouTube channel, do that. Support Sarah. Leave a little heart or comment or whatever. But if you have questions for us, you can leave those in the comments, too. And we'll, we're going to actually do a live Q&A section. Session. I think it's August 26th. Is that right, yes. Sarah? Yes. Over so put on it my on your calendar. Yeah. This is your chance to surprise me with a question and see what I do. Yeah. So I think it's August 26th. It's Wednesday, and it'll be at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on my Facebook page. So I'll drop a link to that in the comments so you can go and follow that and get notified. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to is it our high? It's an eye opener, but what do we call the high of the week? I forget. Something positive. I live in Colorado. High's a thing here. Yeah. Well, we're (laughs) you go first then. (laughs) You know what? Honestly, my high of the week is that I am looking for a job and I engaged a coach and she is hugely proactive and has concrete things for me to do. And it's easier for me to follow goals when I understand what they are. So it was a high to just talk to her this week. Good. Uh, Eye opener. 
I don't exercise as much as I think I do because I started recording it this week and I was like, you know what? All I did today was go up and down the stairs four times. That's not really exercise. Mm -hmm. So that was my eye opener. Cool. I think that's great. You're recording it. It's like one of, it's one of the daily five habits that we talked about before. So good for you. Um, I think that my high of the week is just being at the lake and being around my grandmother and she's just awesome. Her and my grandpa had the funniest marriage ever. I mean, they're just awesome. I'll talk about it more in the future. My eye opener was realizing more about sugar. You know, I'm so used to eating sugar at the lake and realizing what a conditioned habit eating dessert after dinner is, eating sugar at the lake is, drinking pop at the lake is. And so I'm getting a lot of new ideas for those master classes that are in my course about how to end your emotional eating, how to overcome your sugar and carb cravings. Um, so I have a lot of new ideas for that. It's a real yeah, thing. It's interesting how we associate like tasty, sugary, greasy food with a reward for being on vacation, yeah. right? Yeah. Or it's showing love. How that I can't, happens. Yes. I can't tell you how many times I've had to tell my grandma, no, I don't want cookies. No, I don't want any ice cream. You know, no, I don't want French toast. And now she's catching on. So this morning she's like, what do you want for breakfast? You know, do you want French toast? Oh no. Cause that has sugar and syrup. And I'm like, yes, you're catching on Nana. That's yes. exactly right. <laughs> so, well, we have a really good episode for the viewers today. And we're going to talk a little bit about macronutrients, but most of the content today is about shame. And I'm really, really excited because I know Sarah's put a lot of thought into this. She's struggled with this for a long time. Um, so before we dive into that, let's talk about what your implementation was last week and how you're doing with that. So we kind of had two. Yours yes. was you want to eat a high protein breakfast every morning. And mine for you was, I want you to log your food consistently every single day. So tell me how it went. High protein breakfast. Uh, I think I was about 25% successful by which I mean during that week. Um, I, two of the days I sat down and made like a great omelet with lots of vegetables, which is to the preferred breakfast. Cause I was full like the rest of the day, really. Um, the roadblocks I saw there were that um, I tend to sit down and start working is immediately when I get into the kitchen in the morning mm -hmm. and not take any time for myself to make breakfast, which is better for me. Um, the other roadblock was I had a couple of appointments early in the morning this week. And so typically my habit, as we just talked about, is to run to Starbucks and grab a Starbucks and a, and a bacon Gouda with no bacon. Um, which isn't the worst breakfast ever, but it's not ideal. So I see those. I, I need to do some planning around my schedule, I think, mm -hmm. is, is my takeaway there. Yeah. Um, do you have any comments on that, darling? Yeah, because I think it's a second lesson in the follow-through formula, which is the first module in my course, is all about organizing your life around your top goals. And I always say if it's not scheduled, it's not real. And True. so if, if that's an issue for you to schedule the you time that you need to have a healthy breakfast, absolutely put it in your schedule, you know, make it a work thing that you have, cause this is, I mean, you are on, hi kitty. Oh my you God. Know, you're on a huge mission here to lose a yeah. ton of weight and it's going to take that intentional, consistent work. So that's my, my tip for you is not only put it in your schedule, 
but kind of like you touched on, anticipate roadblocks and make a plan for what you're going to do about those roadblocks. So, okay, you have a meeting first thing in the morning. How could that throw you off? And what are you going to do to prevent it from throwing you off? Are you going to make your breakfast ahead of time? Are you going to do some intermittent fasting that morning? Are you going to make a quick protein smoothie that you can have during the meeting? There's just all sorts of stuff, but I like that. We got to, we got to plan it. We got to schedule it. Right on. I think I need to use technology to my advantage as well. Um, I have Microsoft office on this computer. Why am I not using the calendar? You know, it's, it's silly. Anywho, (laughs) um, tracking. I did great this week until Sunday. Okay. And to this morning, I recorded everything I ate from Sunday morning to last night. Um, the reason that's not ideal is because you will inevitably forget if you grazed on something, if you grabbed some chips. Um, I think it's pretty accurate because my memory is good, but it's not, that's not consistent. So um, I just, I really just need to be more intentional about it. Yep. Now, what do you think was a barrier to you not logging consistently? I would say from Sunday to Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. I did not eat on a schedule, which I normally do. Okay. Um, It was, you know, I ate something at 10 and then I ate something at like three and then I wasn't hungry. So I didn't have dinner. And, you know, I, I, for me, if I eat on a schedule, I eat healthier. If I graze or make split second decisions when I'm hungry, it's a big problem. So what are you going to do to improve that consistency? And, and by the way, I recommend logging five to six days a week, usually probably six if you're trying to lose weight. Give yourself a day off, especially if you're like going out or you're going to a friend's house and you don't know what's in the food and you don't want to try to guess and log it all. Give yourself that exception day while you're losing weight. Okay. Have you thought about some things that you can do to be better about logging consistently like six days a week? Honestly, and this is going to sound excessively organized, I think I need to schedule it. That's not excessively organized. I think I need to put it on my calendar. This I have five minutes in here where I'm going to log my food um, and drink a glass of water. Because I noticed that when I, Sunday through Tuesday, my water consumption was not ideal. So I think I need to put it in a schedule. Yeah. And you watched, you like that mastering your habits masterclass. And one of my favorite tips is habit stacking. And that's where you have an established habit. Like say you watch the morning news or you have your morning cup of coffee. And so you just stack it on top of that habit. So while I have my morning cup of coffee, I'm going to log my food for the day or same thing at night, you know, Before I go to bed every single night, I'm going to log my food the five minutes before. Whatever you want to do, but we'll check in next week and we'll see how that's going. Yeah, absolutely. So I like that that that's your implementation. Is that your intention for this week? Yeah, I think getting a hold of my schedule. um, I have a lot of goals around job hunting and creating a brand for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are time-consuming. Plus I'm, I'm doing a lot of media. I'm, you know, doing all of Dr. Morgan's stuff, sometimes watching it twice because it's, it's pretty dense in information. And then I'm also trying to do some reading on professional development and stuff like that, and also have a life that I enjoy. So 
I think scheduling is going to be key this week, getting a hold mm-hmm. of that. I think that's a great thing. So we'll touch base next week, see what your schedule is looking like. Um, and everyone, you like, I think that that's a really interesting point. It's like, so you're on this weight loss journey. I know right. you're, not, you're not crazy about the word. And what are we talking about? We're talking about scheduling. Right. We're not talking about food. We're not talking about exercise. If you're not a priority in your own life, you will never reach your goals. So you have right. to give your time to yourself before you give your time to anybody else. And if you're not healthy, you can't have a job. Yeah. So I think that you're right on target here. Now we were going to touch on macronutrients today. Yes. For those of you not in my course, not familiar with my course, there's a whole module on macronutrients, which are major food categories. So hydration, carbohydrates, proteins, fats, um, really like Sarah said, dense. I like to tell you how your body digests these foods, make it super intellectual so that when you're having bread or when you're having a piece of fruit, you understand how your body uses those nutrients differently um, and how they can contribute to weight gain or not. So tell me, did you watch those? If yes, what did you think? If not, why not? And when you plan to watch them? I did not watch them um, because I had a huge amount of homework from my professional coach. And to be frank, right now, my job search is pretty much the number one thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just haven't watched them. I have time actually scheduled this afternoon to watch it all, take notes. And then I have, I think I have some questions about, um, especially the proportion of protein to mm-hmm. fat. Oh, interesting. Because okay. when I entered it in the carb app that I have, um, it's sort of geared towards keto. Yep. And it said I needed to eat like 240 grams of protein a day. That's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably not accurate. So I want to do some thinking around what I need to do there. Okay. Did you watch those carb manager setup videos? Yes, I did. Okay, perfect. So maybe we can touch on that thing off like you told me to. Good. Yeah. Cause I use the carb manager app and it's, they market themselves as a keto app, but it's just a macronutrient tracking app. We're not doing keto. We're doing more of a low carb diet. So I think that that's a great point. Um, From that standpoint, I'd love just really quick tidbit, get 30 grams of protein at every meal at least, because that's the minimum amount that your body needs to stimulate new muscle growth. Okay. That makes way more sense. Yep. So, you know, if, yeah, obviously 200 and some grams of protein is a lot. Um, And I'll do a little bit more research behind that. I have heard different things, but I'll do more research before I speak on them. But that's a super simple thing. At least 30 grams every meal, that's going to keep you full and satisfied, and that's going to help with muscle growth. Great. That's much more attainable. Okay, good. And I'll take a look at your macros. We'll talk about that in depth on another time. But um, let's talk about shame. And let's talk about this awesome topic. Because, by the way, you guys, Sarah's coming up with most all of these topics for the calls. You know, I'm kind of here as a sounding board and a coach. Um, but this is really about her story. And I think this has been a big part of your story. Um, and I want to learn more about it. So you have the mic, my dear. So Dr. Morgan and I were talking last week off camera about shame. And I made the statement, fat women really live on a diet of shame. So let's talk a little bit about what shame actually is. Um, Shame is an incredibly insidious and powerful force in our lives. 
And there is not a single person, especially women, who do not get shamed in some way on a regular basis. Let's talk about not Dr. Morgan in particular, but someone in her situation. If you think Dr. Morgan, who's doing a great job in all areas of her life, doing the absolute best she can, has not been shamed about how can you be such a good mother if you're spending all your time trying to start a business, you would be incorrect. People are real sneaky about sneaking that stuff in. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to be real clear. Shame is not an emotion. Shame is a reaction to a negative message. When someone shames you, they will often tell themselves, I'm doing it for that person's own good. Um, I'm telling Sarah not to eat that waffle because it's going to make her fatter and these X things will happen. But that is not true. They're not telling me that for my own good. They're telling me that from a negative place within themselves. A lot of times it has to do with fear. Um, if I'm associated with a fat person, what does that say about me? Um, it may have to do with, I want to take that person down a peg. She seems so confident, but she has no reason to be. Um, whatever the reason, when someone shames you, it is not coming from a positive place. Here's a truth nugget, and I'm going to read it the way I wrote it. A positive message coming from a positive place does not ever produce a negative emotional reaction in you. The same goes for the opposite. A negative message coming from a negative place will never produce a positive emotional reaction in you. So if someone says something to you and they say they're only saying it for their own good, but it makes you feel like shit and a failure, they're not saying it for your own good. It's not positive. You do not deserve that. You don't need it. Shame has no place in your life. Shame is a wholly negative emotion. It is a weaponized emotion, by which I mean it is an emotion, or it's a message that's being sent to you in order to force you to change. It is not possible for someone else to force you to change unless they have physical control over you, which is a totally different situation. So why do people use shame? Yeah, there's that surface reason. Yeah, I, I just want her to know that being a mother is more important than starting a business. Or I just want her to know that being fat is, is bad and I want to help her make better choices. Probably not the real reason, is it? It's probably something within themselves and you aren't responsible for that. It is not necessary for you to ever give someone pieces of yourself to make them whole. It isn't possible and it isn't necessary. So let's talk about the life cycle of shame. And I thought about this for a while because it's absolutely true. Shame, that reaction you're having, it actually creates emotion in you. And this is how. Um, I remember being shamed as early as age 10 or 11. I remember a family member speaking to my dad and saying, 
you really need to get her weight in check because what nice boy will ever want to be with her? I wasn't even dating or anything. I mean, it wasn't even on my radar and it really didn't matter when you're 10, but I heard it. I overheard it really. So this is a message I heard. It created in me the reaction of, Oh, if I'm fat, do I deserve love? No. So then I start telling myself because you're fat, you don't deserve love. As I get older, I, kind of change love into because you're fat, you don't deserve a healthy relationship. This affects the choices you make, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't try to date nice guys because you don't think you deserve it. You don't wait for those people to come along and work on yourself in the meantime. You kind of date whatever's willing to date you. This is, of course, going to create negative experiences of dating. You know, yeah, uh, look at these last five guys I dated. They were all jerks. They were all, you know, users or whatever. So obviously that's what I deserve. So what have I done there? I have reinforced that negative message that I'm telling myself because now I've got experience to match the message. Yes. Yeah. So now it is an emotion and the emotion is I'm not worthy. I'm not worthwhile. I'm not a good person. I don't deserve a healthy relationship. Or, you know, in someone else's case, perhaps it would be, I'm not a good mother. I don't try hard enough. And that's the thing you tell yourself. So then every time someone shames me about that same thing again, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's mm -hmm. a reinforced message. I, I completely agree with you, you know, and it's just the cycle. It goes on and on and on. How do you break the cycle? Exactly. Yeah. That is so hard because now you assume that this shame reaction you've had, it, which has now been corroborated by all this stuff that has happened, is true. Right? Um, it's incredibly difficult. But I would suggest taking the pressure off yourself to discard every negative message that you've ever heard and just be a strong, perfect person right now and pick one thing, pick one negative message you've heard. In my case, let's say I don't make healthy choices about what I eat and what I do because I'm not a good person. First of all, ask yourself, is that true? Did I actually earn the moniker of I am not a good person? I'm a bad person. I'm not a worthy person. Did I earn that? Mm -hmm. Have I done something to earn that? And the answer is no. You have not done anything to earn these negative messages. My suggestion is you try to trace it back to the first time you've heard that message. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, getting that message when I was about seven or eight years old. And we went to a restaurant that had a salad bar that had homemade bread, I think, on it. And I would grab a bunch of bread because it's homemade and it's amazing. That's the first time I specifically remember being told, you don't make healthy choices, which eventually turned into 30-year-old me thinking, oh, yeah, 
I don't make healthy choices because I don't care about myself. And I don't care about myself because I'm not a strong person. And I'm not a strong person because I'm not a good person. So I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, is this true? Do I not make good food choices because I'm a bad person? No. I make bad food choices, or let me say not the healthiest food choices. No food is bad. That's not the point. I like that you Um, pointed that out. Thank you. (laughs) I don't make the healthiest food choices because I usually don't eat from a place of health. I usually eat from a place of emotional, uh, emotional healing, maybe. Uh, convenience, often eat, and I often eat socially. None of those things are not conducive to healthy eating, but they all make it easier to eat less healthy things. So by thinking through that, I realized, yeah, this has nothing to do with my worth as a human. Yeah, This has to do with how I make choices. And that's natural. We change how we make choices throughout our lives from birth to death. That is the real measure of how you grow, right? So I looked myself in the mirror and I said the two things. I said, I make unhealthy food choices because I'm a bad person. And then I also said, I don't always make the healthiest food choices because I don't think hard enough about them, but I'm a great person. Which one of those rings truer to you, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not a bad person mm-hmm. because of this one simple thing. A woman who decides to have a career and a marriage and children is not neglecting her children. She's setting a great example for them of how to take care of yourself at the same time that you're taking care of others, which we all know in, in modern psychology is absolutely necessary. If you don't have a good sense of self, you're not probably parenting to the maximum ability that you have. If you don't mm-hmm. like yourself, your kids will know it. They're not if you're not happy, you know, it's not good for your marriage. It's not good for your kids. And if work makes you happy... Yeah. You got to work it in. Other people makes you happy. I mean, Mm -hmm. Dr. Morgan, I know her pretty well. She's not doing this because she wants money. She's doing this because she wants to help people. Yeah. Because it makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. What if, what if you could make other people happier? Wouldn't you do it? Think about Mm -hmm. it. But it starts with making yourself happy. Mm -hmm. It starts with breaking the cycle of shame. It's very easy to say, grow a thick skin, just don't accept it. It's not that easy. Because there are kind of three levels of people that might shame you. So we're going to go through that real quick. First is strangers or people you just barely know, people that are just on the periphery of your experience. So let's say someone says, oh, look at what you're eating. I'm surprised someone like you would make a choice like that. And yes, that's happened to me. And yes, it's happened to me in a business situation. (sighs) You have a choice here, right? You can either completely ignore them like they don't exist, which is an option. Take the option if you want. Another option is to snap at them or be sassy. Um, 
you know, in that situation, I very much could have said, oh, I'm surprised a person in your situation would choose to buy shoes from Payless. However, is that really accomplishing anything? I mean, insulting someone back, just, it's nothing. You're probably going to get in an argument. What you can say instead is, I have a boundary. I don't really like it. I don't really accept it, maybe is the better way to put it. I don't really accept it when people make comments on my food choices or any other choices I make. So thank you for your concern. I'm, I'm going to go back to what I'm doing now. Something like that. The key there is that you've set a boundary. And that is that mirror work we were talking about. You know, that is a boundary you're setting. You're setting a boundary of, I don't accept negative messaging that's coming from a negative place. I refuse to react to it. That's a perfectly healthy boundary. The second group of people are friends. Not best friends, but people you spend time with, people you like, maybe you've you know, gone through some issues together and, and talked to each other about it, and you've built some trust there. Um, so you're at a party, and there's, there's vegetables, which let's be real, at any party basically get thrown away. Or, I eat the vegetables. I love them. I know. I had to say it. I really do. Honestly, My friend Michaela makes the best vegetable tray. Shout out to Michaela. Nice. Keep going. No, no, you're a good lady. Um, let's say you get three cannolis because you really like cannoli. You know, I would say if someone says, gosh, I know you've been working on your weight. Are mm-hmm. you sure that's the best thing to eat? Yeah, that feels like it's coming from a place of, of concern. But does it make you feel good when they say that? What if you just want to eat a cannoli? because you would never make one at home and you don't really ever buy them. And it's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Just eat the cannoli. Enjoy it. So how do you deal with that? Do you kind of, if it's from a friend, do you still say, I don't accept that, you know, cause you have that more intimate relationship. So what's your response to that? This is the point at which it's okay to give them a reason why you don't accept it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those, those first level people that are really shallow acquaintances, or strangers, they don't need your reasoning. They don't need any glimpse into who you really are. It's like you don't owe them anything. Absolutely. You don't owe them anything. But friends, yeah. Say, hey, you know, I'm going to eat this cannoli and enjoy it. I appreciate your concern, but I'm not accepting negative messaging around my food choices. However, you know, maybe throw out an olive branch. I would love to take a walk with you next week. Or I would love to, you know, do this. They don't need to be the food police. That, that doesn't exist for a reason. And then you have those top level people, right? Oh my gosh, parents, your siblings, your besties. Probably children for a lot oh, of people man. watching this and a lot of my clients. Yes. I know, I know. I, I'm so guilty of, of this. So keep going because I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> here we go. This is the group where I think you can pretty much assume, unless there's some estrangement of some kind, that these people really do have your best interests at heart, and they're saying things they think out of love. This is an okay time to say, hey, I love you too, and I'm glad you care about my health, but 
I'm happy with this choice right now. And I'd be glad to talk to you about the things I'm doing with my health at another time. It's as simple as that, but it's not simple at all, is it? Because saying something like that to your mom is basically saying, I'm independent. And I am not accepting all of your help anymore. But realize that a lot of times those messages, even from your very best, most close ride or die people are coming mm -hmm. from a place of insecurity, coming from a place of probably I'm so worried about myself gaining weight that I don't want Sarah to do that anymore. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's love, it's concern, but it goes back to a negative emotion about themselves. So, or fear, like fear. I'm going to be honest, I am so guilty of shaming family members who I love dearly because I know where it's going. Yes. And it's like, yes. you will end up in the hospital. You will end up with diabetes. You will end up with dementia, with peripheral neuropathy. And what does that mean for me? Right. That, that means that I don't get to spend that time with you, that my kids might not get to spend that time with you that, um, you know, other family members are going to be consumed by caring for you and not able to help me. Um, and that's, that's really, really hard. Like this is a really hard topic for me because in my family, using anger or shame is almost like our, our primary way to motivate somebody to do what we want them to do. Right. And so we're using those negative messages to try to change behavior. And I just love what you said of if it's a positive message from a positive person, it's not going to leave a, a, a negative emotion. And I'm, I'm not doing that, you know? So how would you recommend I approach the situation differently to truly motivate behavior change in a positive way? Or is there anything that I can do? Yeah, there is a lot you can do. And the most important thing about making changes in the choices is feeling built up, is, is feeling good about yourself. When you feel great about yourself, you are empowered to make choices that lead you to feel even greater about yourself. And it just goes on and on. And that's the cycle that we want to feed. So, you know, you have a lot of knowledge about the consequences of making poor yeah. food choices or the consequences of choosing to be sedentary, which isn't always a choice. And I understand that, but yep, some people make that choice. So what you could do instead is say, ignore it at the time but maybe later and definitely not in front of other people say, Hey, I was thinking about this and I really want to encourage you. And I want to let you know how wonderful you are. I want to let you know what you mean to me, how important you are to me. And this is why my particular area of expertise is how to get healthier. Is that something that you want to talk about right now? It's possible that they're in an emotional place, we're talking about making one more change is just not possible. But they'll remember that when they are ready for the change, you're the go-to person. You're the cheerleader. 
You're going to help. Building someone up personally, telling them the things that are amazing about themselves, but don't lie. But, you know, say, Morgan, I love the way you really are taking charge of your business. I love how proactive you are with your friends and your clients about helping them make more healthy choices and telling them how much you care about them. That's building Morgan up. Saying to her, Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting how you shame other people, but you don't like to be shamed yourself. What did I just accomplish there? Zero. Negative. Yeah. So I know we're trying to keep these to like half an hour and we're a little bit over, but can we, and I know next week we were going to talk about resilience, but I feel like there's more to unpack here, especially with how to, um, how to motivate somebody to improve their health without shaming them and without harming the relationship. And maybe I'd love to hear more of your experience about how you overcame shame. I know you said, you know, I asked myself those two questions, but I feel like you have more to share on this topic. Right. Am I wrong? No, but it is going to lead a little bit into next week's thing. I will just say the thing that the turning point for me was realizing that the messages I was giving myself were a million times worse than anything else I was hearing. And then with a mental health professional going backwards and figuring out where that came from. We are not born in shame. We, as a child, have you ever seen a three-year-old that feels shame? No. Why? Because you have to teach it. Yeah. You know, you shame and then you reinforce shame and then it becomes a thing. It becomes a common reaction. Um, I realized, wow, I don't really enjoy going to Thanksgiving dinner because I will 100% get judged for what I'm eating. What? That should be like a freaking joy because I love all those people. That's kind of where it went. Um, This is one thing I would say. It is totally okay to look at yourself in the mirror and say something good And if, even if it's just looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what, fuck shame. I don't deserve to be shame. I don't deserve to be anything other than happy and glad to be here. There's no reason not to say those things. Mm -hmm. Um, It will make a difference. I promise you. So I'm going to segue that into next week's episode, which I think is the single most important tool that you will ever have to making a real lasting change. And that is resilience. So we're going to talk about, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm just going to say resilience is not something you're born with. It's something you build and you have the power Mm -hmm. to be resilient. So I'm going to hand it back to Morgan to wrap this baby up. Thank you guys for listening. And if you you have, questions or observations or even experiences you want to share, Mm -hmm. please leave it in the notes. You can ask Morgan uh, by going to the info at, um, and I will be glad to talk with you privately if you wish to do so. This is a powerful, powerful thing. And the idea of shame, it's huge. It's huge. And it's too much to unpack. And you explained it really well, the cycle of shame. And I know I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again and probably two times to really get 
as much as I can out of that conversation. And I would encourage our, our viewers, if this is something you struggle with, go watch this again. Go right. listen really carefully to what Sarah said. And if you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to get there, realize that this is many, many years of counseling and mental health, mental health professional counseling that Sarah's gone through to be able to explain this so eloquently and to be able to sit here with the confidence that she has and uh, use the explicit word and then shame, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. So I really appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. And we are, I do want to unpack this a little bit more next week and then get into resilience. So absolutely, everybody leave your comments. I love that Sarah also said, share your experience. You know, yeah. this isn't just like a rah-rah thing here. Like we're really trying to help you um, and connect with you. So share those experiences. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye everybody. Goodbye. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel and turn the bell on to get notified every time we have a new episode. Also, please like and share these stories. I mean, Sarah is being really open and vulnerable here and we want you to engage with these episodes. Let us know your experiences. Cheer her on. It would mean so much to us. We'll talk to you next week.